Welcome back to the third hour of the morning tailgate. It's Raider Nation Radio here on this Monday. Thanks for being with us. Hit us up on the text line 702-365-9200. Sparked by Don'tBeBroke.com. Lindsey Brown, Clay Baker, and you. Vinny Bonson, you're on assignment covering the MVP press conference over at Mandalay Bay where the Flying Fishes play. Also hit us up on X at r 920 AM. Jesse Merrick joins us now. The anchor, host, and reporter with News 3 doing exemplary coverage all week long and the Super Bowl and all the events in Las Vegas. We're really happy you're with us now. Jesse, good morning to you after a dizzying affair over the past 10 days. How are you? Man, I feel like I went on like a 7, 10-day Vegas bender. I'm not even going to lie. I woke up this morning, headache, sore throat, dazed and confused. But man, uh, what a week. What a wild ride it was. Uh, the first Super Bowl in Vegas was definitely one for the books and I uh, can't wait for the next one. Well, Jesse, you know that you're old when the halftime performances are directly catering to your childhood, and we are deep into that right now. What did you think of Ursher and Alicia Keys and Lil Jon and and just the whole spectacle that was the halftime show, which is very different to witness in person versus on television? Yeah, very different, and I'm going to make a lot of people mad. Uh, I wasn't loving it until Lil Jon and Ludacris came up there. I was joking around that that they they saved the day. Um, Yeah. But I preface that with saying, like, I've never been a big, like, R&B guy in general. Um, so it wasn't for me until Luda and Lil John came up there. And then I was loving it. I was dancing and everything, all that. Uh, but just the <laughs> spectacle of it, I don't want to be, like, a negative Nancy up here. Like, it was insane just to see the setup and the way that they're doing the whole thing, the whole show, everything that goes into that. You know, the fake fans running around dancing, just experiencing that and, and realizing, like, hey, they're about to finish the second half of the Super Bowl on this field after this craziness is done. Um, that was just insane. So, yeah, seeing it in person there was just a, a wild deal. When you grow up watching that game as a kid, uh, you know, and watching those performances and all those different things, I mean, it was unreal. But like I said, uh, I'm a big Ludo and Little John guy, so as soon as they came out, I was hyped. But uh, prior to that, I was like, eh, I could have gone without it. <laughs> it's not enough, is it, Jesse? I mean, what do you think of the rest of the spectacle? And everything was timed out from the beginning to the end, as far as like you know, getting the national anthem and all the songs in to prior to the game. Yeah, I mean, hey, Post Malone killed it too. That was for sure. Post he did. And, uh, Reba, they, they, yeah, they really uh, broke the broke the house down. But um, yeah, I mean, just I, I'm actually going to go back today and watch it on TV just to kind of get a feel for what it looked like for the world. But like for us being inside there. Um, you know, there were multiple times when I had moments just sitting there kind of getting chills. And I'm not from Vegas. I've only been here for five years. But, like, you know, I've seen a lot here in that short time. And it was really cool just to see, like, our city get an opportunity to show the world what they can do with a game like this, you know. And, and again, like, selfishly for me, a kid that grew up, you know, crazy about football, um, you know, that was one of those ones where it was that multiple pinch-me moments watching that, um, you know, and just seeing all the different setups in Allegiant Stadium and, uh, you know, all the different shots and the aerial shots and all those different things that they kept taking on the broadcast and um, all those different things was just uh, incredible to kind of get a look at that, like, behind the scenes to see how it was done. Um, look, I know it was weird, and we were joking around having our fun all week with the two fan bases that were in town for this one. Um, but, you know, what an atmosphere. Uh, both of them brought the heat, uh, you know, and, and it was just a cool scene, you know. It just felt right for the Super Bowl to be in Vegas and to be in Allegiant. You know, and and you just wonder, uh, you know, if and when it becomes a regular part of the rotation. And and I kind of joked last night, but I I really do believe I don't think the Super Bowl is going to be the same after it came to Vegas. You know, 
Um, not that anyone's going to drag whatever city the Super Bowl's in, but you could just tell how complimentary and over the top everyone was about Vegas and the week leading up to it, the setup, how quote unquote easy everything was for everybody getting to and from places, all those different things. So, I mean, I think honestly, uh, uh, kudos to our city, you know, pat yourself on the back, everyone involved. Like, I was just really impressed with the entire week leading up to it and just game day itself and everything that it was. It just, again, for me, and I, I maybe some crazy stuff happened, I don't know, but it, it just seemed like it all went on easy without much of a hiccup. Yeah, it looks like 2028 is probably the likeliest date to have the Super Bowl return here because next year they're going to New Orleans and it's back-to-back years on the West Coast again at Levi's in 2025 and then SoFi in 2026. I take it they want to go to Miami or something in 2027. So that means 2028, it's all coming back here. And I'm I'm hoping the Raiders can, can time that up perfectly. We'll take the slow roll of building this roster and having the chance to play for the big game while we're hosting it. That's the way I'm doing it. But I need to ask you a question about last night and prepare preparedness because you used to be in those team meetings with football there's a lot of different situations to keep in mind We're talking to Jesse Merrick from News 3LV but I'm not saying the 49ers lost because the team didn't know about the overtime rules but when Carl Ju- or Carl when Kyle Juszczyk says I assumed you just want the ball because you score a touchdown and win but then on the other side the Chiefs players say we had an OT rules presentation and strategy meeting every week of the playoffs including twice in our Super Bowl prep that has to loom a little bit large here, right? That, that that says something to me. Does that say something to you in terms of preparedness and if it does have a bearing on the result? Oh, yeah, it definitely does. And, look, I mean, it, it, yeah, you still get an opportunity, but to me, yeah, I, I, I don't uh, – I, I want to play defense first, you know. That's that, that's what I would want to go out there and do. And, and you hear the, the players saying that. It's clear, you know, the emphasis and the understanding from the coaching staff and just how detailed – uh, you know, they are. And there's a reason why Andy Reid and the Chiefs have done what they've done, and it's because of things like that. Um, you know, even talking with Bosa afterwards, talking about different situations throughout the game, not even necessarily the overtime, but, you know, multiple times he said we could have been more prepared for X, Y, and Z. And he, he, prepared was a word that, I mean, if you went back and did like a little word counter, prepared was probably the thing that he said the most throughout his press conference. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that to me spoke volumes. Like, Players will be honest with you if you really listen to what they're saying. And it felt like, again, they're, they're in the moment and everything like that, but it felt like Bosa thought they were not prepared. And that is not only on the players, but also the coaches as well. Um, you know, and you know Andy Reid and Spagnolo and everybody over there in KC were going to make sure those guys were ready. And I, I didn't – so I was uh, – just to give you guys a little peek behind the curtain of my workload last night, I was covering the 49ers, uh, you know, so I was in their thing. So I missed most of the, the postgame, uh, you know, sound bites and reactions and all that stuff. So to hear that they had that much of a, uh, you know, lead in and, and preparation work for it and everything. I mean, that's, uh, again, real eye opening to see that. And then seeing on the flip side, the lack of that from the Niners is, is kind of wild. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, given like, look, this is the Super Bowl. I'm like, really, anything can happen. That's something when you know rules like that are going to go into effect, you better be doing at the very least what the Chiefs are doing, if not more in my mind. Well, Jesse, also that, like, how will that kind of, like, follow Shanahan throughout the years as part of his legacy? Like, you didn't do enough to win the big game. You didn't have enough preparation on your side when all we know of you is to prepare. What do you think this will do for him for the next few years? Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. But, um, yeah, one of the the things that really stuck out to me after the game, you know, uh, Sean was asked, not Sean, uh, Kyle was asked by Sean Patel, actually, um, after the game, 
uh, about just the, the blown lead. Uh, 10-plus points, you know, for Shanahan in the three Super Bowls. One is a coordinator, two is a coach. Uh, and he said, like, you know, he was asked why he thinks that keeps happening. And he, he kind of shrugged it. Like, he gave a great answer, I thought, in my mind, but saying, like, look, when you play against the Bradys and the Mahomes of the world, like, mm-hmm. that's going to happen. Um, you know, and you, you got to – you can't, you know, give them an opportunity to do that. Uh, I mean, shoot, you guys all saw – all right, well, maybe you haven't. I was just going back actually watching the last drive. Um, but I see the shots that they're taking right after the 49ers uh, kick that field goal in OT to go up by three points. You see Christian McCaffrey so emotional, head, head in a towel, uh, you know, on the sidelines. Um, uh, I think it was Juwan Jennings. You could just see, like, a distraught look on his face. All these guys knew that Pat Mahomes was going to go down there and rip their hearts out, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what he did because you can't give that guy an opportunity. Uh, and so, again, with the whole preparedness thing, that was said a lot. The other thing was like, man, missed opportunities is what the 49ers kept saying. Oh, yeah. We had an opportunity to lap them, and we didn't. And I think that is the case in this thing. I mean, man, they're, they're, you look at early in the game, mm-hmm. they were cooking offensively. Boom, they fumble. You look at third down, three for 12 on the day. That is unacceptable in a game like this with the tools and weapons you have on offense. But again, too, there's another side of it. We've got to give the kudos to the Chiefs defense. But just overall, I think it's that preparedness and missed opportunities for the 49ers. Uh, then in the long run, really cost him. And speaking of the preparedness, too, I'm going after guys in particular, but Bosa, you know, he talked about preparedness. On that fourth down, who the heck do you think is going to get the ball? You think Mahomes is going to hand the ball off on that read option? Like, come on, man. He crashed and chased after the running back. You have got to follow Mahomes. If you follow Mahomes and they give it to the running back and you're wrong, I think people will forgive you. But in that moment, everyone in the world has to know where that ball is going. And he didn't, and so that to me is, is another one of, again, be prepared, be in the moment. And I know it's easy for us to say it and be here this Monday morning quarterback and all that, yeah. but those are, those are the couple things that really stuck out to me from that game. Oh, I think they were gassed, too. I, I actually think the yeah. 49ers defense played their best game of the playoff last year, at least in the in the first half. I thought Bosa was was doing everything he possibly could. But it's the thing is, is that one man isn't enough unless your man is named Patrick Mahomes. And so if you take mm-hmm. uh, the three-time Super Bowl MVP out of this conversation, which chief do you think had the biggest hand in securing this victory? Because I think it's Chris Jones, especially for that play uh, that basically meant that the 49ers had to settle for three instead of getting that touchdown pass. Yeah, yeah, no, Chris Jones was obviously massive, just to be different from what you're saying. McDuffie, the other guy, he was uh, unbelievable in man coverage um, throughout the night. You know, he was the guy that flashed so many different times throughout the game. Uh, Afterwards, I believe it was Purdy uh, that mentioned just how how many issues they were having with their man coverage, how sticky the Chiefs were. Uh, And to me, McDuffie was that guy that was just flashing nonstop throughout the game. Uh, Was really, really impressed with him. Um, And look, honestly, too, like, we got to give a shout-out to Kelsey. He had one catch and one target in the first half, and obviously everyone's talking about, you know, the chest bump with Andy and all those different – well, more than a chest bump, I guess, the chest bump and the scream, whatever you want to call it. Uh, then comes back in the second half, you know, really turns it on, um, you know, and he and Mahomes start connecting and they start moving, uh, you know. So I think you got to give a shout-out to him, uh, but also, too, like I said, yeah, Chris Jones, to your point, and then uh, McDuffie, to me, uh, was another guy that – man, deserves much more credit than he's probably getting today because he was all over the place. Mayor Merrick, Jesse Merrick from News 3LV joins us. We haven't mentioned this all show long, which is probably a huge mistake, but it was just such a weirdly devastating moment. But how big of a hole was left behind when Dre Greenlaw just 
started to jog oh. out to go play, and his Achilles literally ruptured on him. Like, how big of a of an omission was he for the 49ers and their chances to win that championship? Yeah, that was a crazy moment. I don't know about you guys, but, like, when it happened, we didn't really quite know what went down, and, and it took a little while until someone, you know, finally saw something on Twitter about, like, what happened on the broadcast and the, the shot of it and everything, and you're just like, wow. Right. Um, it's one thing if it happens, like, in the field of play. But, like, when you're running out there to go do it. I had a similar situation with a friend of mine, not during the game, but, like, when I was in high school playing, the guy's jumping up down celebrating and tore his ACL. Um, it was just a, and even that moment, like, that was a, oh, like a heavy moment. I couldn't imagine in the Super Bowl, in the middle of the game, as you're getting ready to actually run out to go play, uh, that has to be gutting. Um, Bosa talked about it after the game, and he did say, he's like, look, yeah, it, it, it was hard. That was one that's tough because, uh, you know, specifically for a guy like Greenlaw that, uh, he noted had, had gone and been through so much. And at that position at linebacker, I mean, you are literally running into a brick wall every single play. Uh, and obviously the guy that's got a lot of respect from the teammates, people around the league, all that. So that's got to be gutting. Bosa noted that emotionally. It's like in the moment you're just like, oh. But he said, you know, they wanted to use it as fuel of the fire. Like, let's go win it for them. Uh, you know, but I'd imagine from the human element, there's probably that, like, heaviness to where for the next couple plays or next series, you're probably just like, whoa. Um, you know, so yeah, that was, that was a wild moment. Um, you know, a feel for him, uh, in something like that too, cause I'm sure that's a helpless feeling where that happens to you in the game and you see what happens and you see Mahomes go down and, 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 you know, drive down and win the game for him. And, uh, Greenlaw had been flying around all game. You got to believe that, uh, you know, he thinks he could have had uh, something to say with, uh, maybe possibly helping him win that game, uh, especially the way Mahomes managed to run the ball on that last drive. Jesse, when you think about how the Raiders can actually go and use this game and crack the code of what the Chiefs are doing, because this is a little bit of a conundrum, because this really wasn't the greatest Chiefs team we've seen out of the past five years. Yeah, I mean, that was, I mean, the one thing is, look, <clears throat> they built up their defense, you know, hit yeah. on a handful of their picks. Um, you know, that was, there was so much salary cap issues that they were dealing with. So it was kind of built out of necessity, I'm sure, more than anything. And, uh, you know, look, it, it worked for them. And, Look what the Raiders have started to kind of do. I'm not saying that they're all of a sudden going to be the Chiefs, but, man, uh, you have to like what they've been able to do on defense, and they're bringing PG back. Uh, you know, all the pieces that have kind of come together, the fact that Max now has a, a lot of help on that side of the ball, uh, and, and a lot of youth, like a lot of young guys that are really starting to step up as, uh, as well, too. And, and you know, then um, uh, Pat, uh, Rob Spillane coming in, having the year that he's had, flying around like a heat-seeking missile, uh, showing people that he's more than just kind of a thumper coming out and, and showing what he can do in coverage. Uh, you know, I think just overall on the defensive side of the ball, that's something that's real interesting. But we all know in this game, uh, you know, either you have a, don't have a quarterback or you don't, and you're not going to win until you have one. And so that's one thing the Raiders do need to figure out. Obviously, it's great. The defense has kind of figured things out and, and looks to be kind of their calling card. Uh, they've got that attitude. You know, they were, shoot, they were the last team to beat the Chiefs. Uh, which is awesome. I think that's something Raider fans are probably going to hang their hat on for a while here. Okay. And uh, now it's just all a matter of, of getting that offense together and getting things moving. And I think let's see what happens with Josh Jacobs, obviously. But you look at this offense, the pieces are there. You just need the play caller and the quarterback. And, uh, you know, who knows what can happen from there. If they can get this offense to be, you know, I would say probably, what, top 12, top 13? Um, you know, this is this is a team that could really do some damage with the defense they have if they're able to continue what they do. And obviously that's a tall order. But uh, if they can do that, this is a team that can be dangerous for a lot of groups out there, specifically the two-time defending champions as well. 
Great stuff, Jesse. Thank you so much for coming on today. I know it's a it's a painful Monday morning. Go get some rest, man. Rehydrate. Get back up into the flow. We appreciate your time today. Thank you, you guys as well, man. You guys killed it this week too, by the way. Appreciate all the hospitality down on Radio Row whenever I was down there with you guys. You guys, you guys are awesome. Jesse, the thank is all ours. You put us on TV. You did such a nice well, job we with did us. Boost their viewership. <laughs> yeah. Like you were so kind and generous with your time, dude. We we love it, man. Thanks for making that happen. Of course, you guys. Of course, you have a good one. All right, Jesse Merrick, News Three. He and Brian Salmon and the whole crew down there did a fantastic job helping everybody out. Even our good buddy Evan out there in the morning on the morning show. Awesome to have you on. And it's like, okay, if you have an elite pass rusher like Chris Jones who's going to probably hit free agency and start looking for the highest bidder. You cannot underestimate the importance of an elite pass rusher like that Mm -hmm. and what the Raiders could do to maybe have one more edge on their side of the balance to make that defense even stronger and harder to beat. I want to propose something for the nation, something to chew on. I'm just, thoughts are going through my head. Happens. Who would you be willing to back the truck up for more? Who would be truly more impactful for this team right now? Backing up the truck for quarterback to be franchise, mm-hmm. whatever you trade up, or for Chris Jones? A proven. Commodity. I know. I know right. it doesn't have to be a mutually exclusive thing, but I'm just mm-hmm. saying we have one thing to truly back it up for. Back that ass up for. Do you do it for? the quarterback of the future, like what What are you willing to do? Because I'd also argue that Chris Jones, and granted, he had a great recruiting moment with Andy Reid yesterday in the, in the confetti, That's right? Pretty, yep, yep, a lot of pumping. What if you can get him to flip? You think he knows some things about that team? You think he, he's seen Patrick in practice? Yeah. In terms of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. A very specific type of arrow that doesn't necessarily have to be aimed for the heart. We could hit him in the ankle. We could hit him in the knee. We can hit him. But I, we know things. And then you talk about him as a, as a pass rusher, him as an interior wrecking ball, and how far that would go on this line right here right now. Maybe it's not about backing up the truck. It's like who, who would be the bigger impact player more immediately because again I'm aiming for 2028 that's gonna be my new thing I'm aiming for 2028 because I want this team to fail I want them to suffer together I want them to have trials and turbulations I want them to build up to this because I don't want them to get to the big game and they've never been there before right so this is this is in my perfect utopian next few years of for the Raider Nation in this organization it's a vision board. I, I would rather have that come to fruition then than to be the hot team in the first couple years that only is there for a year, like what the Jags were last. You win mm-hmm. one playoff game, and all of a sudden everybody thinks you're hot stuff, right? And again, it, we, we could back it up for Chris, and we could also send everything for, for the quarterback. That's, that, that's a, a route that can be taken. But just if, if you only had your, your full court press to devote to one thing, who would you choose right now? Because I'd argue that Chris Jones is probably just as big of a disruptor, especially to that team, if you are able to flip him. But it's going to cost a lot. But it will only cost money. Correct. It won't cost you the future. Right. It won't cost you what could be as far as assembling a young group of warriors that often are the trademark of Super Bowl champions. Right. 
And that's why I, I'm calling his agent every day. I, t- I find the most <laughs> obnoxious college recruiter I can. <laughs> yeah, the, and yeah. I bring him into the office. Yeah, I the go, dude with the suit and the hat. Yep. Yes. I, I call Danny DeVito's agent, who was all over Radio Row last yes. week. Still oh, don't know the dude's name. Danny but I, Cutlets. But I know the hat. And and you just keep waxing on on Chris all offseason. And it's going to take a hell of a pitch because you're, you're, you're asking him to turn down a chance to go three in a row, which I believe has never happened. Mm-hmm. And so, but the thing is, is that he was willing to sit out to start this season. He knows his value. He knows that he's not 25, right? And at some point, you have to make a decision for you, and two rings are pretty good. And so I throw everything. (laughs) I throw middle names for my upcoming children at Chris Jones. because and And they still might not get them. But just if you could, not just get Chris Jones, but you get Chris Jones, the former Kansas City Chief, and he's no longer... On the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, you usurp some of their power. You want to talk about a point swing. Yeah. You want to talk about a power swing, an interdivisional game. Like that, I, I put everything I have into it. <laughs> I'm first in line because you know the, the Raiders aren't going to be the only people vying for her services. Sure, but you're at one move makes one team less strong yep. and one team more strong. Or to desert first. If that's what you absolutely want, absolutely stock his go social for it. media for anything that he's ever said. Oh, this would be nice to have. You find a way to make it happen. You really should. You get Dora right? the Explorer's <laughs> actual backpack, right? You say backpack, backpack. Bring the map. You're going to live at Chris's house. Like you do whatever it takes, not just because of the plus that it does to you, but because of the minus that it could mean for your biggest rival. And also, go get your quarterback. But just think, like, you could really mess with them. It would only cost money. Right. It would all, and, you know, uh, they, they're, they're smart in how they've drafted, and so they don't have as much pressure on them to maybe commit. I'm not super familiar with their salary cap situation, but everybody's got decisions to make this offseason, and Raiders got money to burn. Let's get your thoughts on 702-365-9200. That's our text line from don'tbebroke.com. It's Lindsay and Clay rolling on <laughs> Literally, here. Stephen, Stephen Pierce goes on the text like, Chris Jones, Chris Jones, Chris Jones, Chris Jones, Chris Jones. People are loving it. I love it. Let's keep going, people. Let's let's think about what our recruiting package for Chris Jones would include. Let's go. There's patterns. There's patterns everywhere in your laughing? Big gentleman that lines up all over the place. Spags does a great job of just you know, he's at in, he's at tackle, he's at nose tackles. Hell, sometimes he might even want to stand up with him. Uh, but obviously he's a tremendous talent. I thought last year we did a decent job early on in the season with him. And it's just a guy you got to count for at all times if you know, find him. It's Waldo. Where's 95? Okay, there he goes. And where's 95? He's over there. Because when he's in the game, he can obviously impact it in a very negative way for us. AP talking about Chris Jones during the season and the impact on the defense. Yeah. Where is number 95? And what would you do to back up the truck to get him? Or perhaps the future at quarterback? That's what it is, man. You want to back up the truck? Back it up! Who do you back it up for? Or what do you back it up for? 702-365-9200. We'll get your thoughts on this before we end the show. Because it's going to take a price. Mm-hmm. What are you willing to part with? draft picks for that quarterback that you really feel be your game changer, your difference maker? Mm-hmm. Or is it just the money that's involved to go and get a wrecker on defense to complement what Max Crosby could do? That would be unbeatable. And you take away the power away from Kansas City as well. Right. On their defensive it's line. a double whammy. It's a double whammy and uh, 
my fault for posing this as a mutually exclusive thing. Again, we could do both. You want to talk about living by the gamble. <laughs> it's it called was. both. Let's spend all the money on Chris Jones and then send all the draft picks to take whoever, right? And, uh, and and we'll get into this because I think tomorrow's topic would be well served to be like, what would you add to the to the mm-hmm. um, Chris Jones recruiting package? Just like what you're willing to to add into that. But consensus so far from the nation that we've seen on the text line on on Twitter. I know Justin Wendy she just uh, chimed in. Everybody's thinking quarterback long term. Quarterback long term in terms of if you're gonna have to pick, and we only have one big spending expenditure to truly commit to, mm-hmm. y'all want to send the picks. You guys want to go get the quarterback. And I get it. I get it. This draft littered, has tons of talent. We've been told that for better part of two, three years as well, right? There's been a buildup to it because last year's draft, you know, pretty good, but it wasn't lionized like this one is. And I don't so much so I don't even know what comes next year. No idea. No idea what's down the pipeline. And so it feels like it's here and now. And there's so many other teams that are in the same kind of desperate position because if you don't have some an answer like Mahomes or Burrow or Stroud <laughs> or Richardson because yeah. you're still waiting for him to figure things out, uh, there, there's fewer than there have been in the last couple of years because there's been a lot of quarterbacks taken. But in terms of the ones that are left. Right, teams that are willing to make a splash. You don't think Washington's going to try to make a big splash this offseason under new ownership, really, for the first time? They want to impress people. Right? You mm-hmm. don't think New England is going to try to make a splash? They're a little bit more of a wild card for me. I, I could see them trading back because they're a, a ways away. Mm-hmm. Their roster is a ways away. And I think there is a disservice in picking your quarterback of the future if you don't have enough protective things around him. I really do. You, you, we see people get ruined. All the time. It's probably easier to get ruined than it is to to find a successful quarterback, don't you think? It, it, it absolutely is. It's the undoing. It's how right. coaches uh, keep and lose their jobs. Right. And, one and timing alone. is everything because mm-hmm. when you're thinking about your longevity, right, how long have I been here? How many cracks have I had? How many coaches have I sacrificed already? How many coordinators? How many more cards do I have yet left to play before mine's the one that's dealt out of the, out of the table? And so the Raiders aren't in that situation. Neither are the Patriots, neither are the Commanders, but there's also the giant, we got to sell, right? Like, I think Washington is going to be very aggressive. They have every reason to be. First of all, they suck. Second of all, could not have a lower public opinion of them for the most part. Like, everybody's like, thank God there's a new ownership, but there's still that, it's still the Commanders, right? And last year they lost eight games to end the year, so there's reason to go deep in taking chances. If I'm them, I rebrand again. I I go back to the Washington football team. That was the best bit. I I had had no problem with that. It was the best bit. It was was perfect, but I would rebrand it. Anything that was decided on by by Schneider's involved, I move away from completely. But I think that they get aggressive I really do because they have to give people reasons to want to show up. And then you see Carolina, what they did last year, and towards the end of their season. You remember where the, the ticket sales were? And I know it was a bad weather day, but there was nobody in that damn stadium, right? There was nobody supporting nobody the youngins. there. Nope. And, and this is a business, right? This is something that you are aiming to make a lot of money. And if I'm trying to make an impression, just like how Broncos ownership group did the same thing, they went out and got Sean Payton. Went out and got Russell Wilson. 
Oh, it hasn't really been all hunky-dory, but you made the the moves that you did, and you were praised for it at the time that you did because it looks good. It looks good. And so that's where there's some moves that look good, but they don't always make good, and that's where I get worried about how much capital they're going to be willing to leverage and comparison to other people's willingness to leverage as well because it might look good might go and step with all the talking heads that say this is the guy this is the guy you go out and get the guy this is what you pay for the guy what if he's not the guy <laughs> what if because you could do every favor for him and he could be the best kid ever and and sometimes it still doesn't work out and again i'm not trying to shy away from making the big set decision and big swing but um that quarterback also that value like a michael Penix, maybe he's there in the second round because people are scared like i'm not scared I'm not scared of this. I ain't scared. I ain't scared. I'm going to go make this pick. And honestly, if you make that pick and he fails, well, you didn't leverage five first-round picks to go get him, and then it was all riding on apparently a, a reconstructed knee that pretty much everybody has now, right? The Achilles are the bigger major injuries. Now, it's not ACLs. It's not ACLs. They, they're they grinding those out, and they're repairing yeah. them. And uh, even Pritch was like, wow, uh, I found out I could get my own knee repaired and well, I'll, be, I'll be walking that day. You right. Know? Like, so he, right. We were talking to Pritch uh, on Friday and he was like, you know, I'm, I could get this done over the weekend. Right. And so I just, there, there's so much of my evaluation process of this that doesn't have to do with the actual prospects, but also the reading of the other players in the room. And so um, I just, you want to make sure you make the right pick first, right person, and then second value. Right. And so if you can get a value pick and the right person because everybody's too scared, I mean, that's kind of best of both worlds, Hannah Montana. All right. Bring on Chris. Let's back up the truck. We got the best of both worlds. You want steak and lobster or do you want both? Who do you back the truck up for or what do you back the truck up for? Let's get your thoughts. 702-365-9200. Can't wait to talk to Sean in Baltimore. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning. How y'all doing? Hey, man. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I'd rather get a quarterback, man, because Chris Jones give me Richard Seymour vibes. Like, mm. Raiders, traded, Raiders traded for Richard Seymour, but they ain't had nobody to pull a trigger. So all they did was have a defense, but they ain't had no offense. And right now, Raiders have a defense. So mm. let's, try to, let's try to get a quarterback for the future. It also, it also think about his, um, the Reggie White move. Reggie mm. White was a free agent, but Reggie White went to Green Bay because they were, cause Philly wasn't winning. But Chris Jones is winning, and he's a free agent. He's not coming to the Raiders. Only why Marcus Allen went to to um, Kansas City because him and Al Davis wouldn't get along. Man. Right. Mm. They don't move from from rivalry to rivalry like that. I don't care how much money it is. Well, money money moves the world anyway. But if the, if the Chiefs was losing, they wouldn't win no games. Maybe we'll get them. But I don't think he's gonna come. And Lindsey, I, I, so I live in like the um, the DMV area. You mm-hmm. get what I'm saying, like Maryland, all, all that. So. I'm I'm telling you guys this. I I listen to when when we go to Rich Eisen show. I I listen to the Commander Station. Okay, mm-hmm. so they they high like they trying to get Caleb. They want Caleb Williams. They that's all they talk about. Right. And if they can't get him, they want JD. So if the Raiders try to get JD, they better figure out the way to jump in front of. Um, they better hope Bears keep um, Justin Fields or hope they can some type of way jump in front of Commanders because that's all they talk about. Mm-hmm. Every day, that's all they talk about. Them, that's on it. It's them two. They want either, either Caleb or they want JD. They not talk about nobody else, and they are right. not even talking about May because May giving them vibes of the last quarterback they got from Carolina. So, yeah, 
Well, that's why they went and got Cliff, right? Cliff helps the whole Caleb Williams recruitment, or at least uh, it helps ease that into it. And so that's what I'm saying. There's a lot of other people that are are very desperate, actually probably in more desperate positions than the Raiders are, and and that affects the pricing. And so that just makes – it gives me pause, you know? Right, right. I understand what you're saying. It's just – Who's going to be a tricky situation? I just hope they get a quarterback that can just move. Like, just give yeah. me like five, five, ten yards or something. That's all, that's all I need, and we'd be good. Right on. <laughs> Thank right. you so much. Y'all have a nice day. You, you too, Sean. buddy. Nicely See, done. Sean you got Baltimore. other people with their tentacles in the, across the NFL. <laughs> I love how he's listening to uh, the yeah. enemy territory, I the Washington the radio station. Good I sign. love that. It helps, you know, we, we cover everything, right? Making sure we're scouting everything up. Listen to WTAM. I love that. That's hilarious, Sean. Yeah. Keeping an eye on the others. But yeah, all right. So if if you feel like that, and he brought up uh, former disasters where you sign somebody who's going to make an impact on the defensive line, tie in Missouri. He brings up a ghost of the past. Says, I would love to have Chris Jones, but I do have fears that he would be our next Warren Sapp. He's got the rings if we give him the money, and Caesars gives him unlimited Bacchanal buffet passes. We might have a problem. Okay, okay. See, the ghosts of Christmas past, they, they come the rule. And they, like it makes you feel like, oh, you've been fooled before. And what would Chris Jones be like looking at? It's, okay, yes, he wants money, but he still wants to win. Mm-hmm. Well, if you go to a graveyard, you're going to find ghosts. Jamarcus Russell, you want to talk about a ghost? Oh, don't, don't say that three times. I wasn't, here. Like I wasn't here for it. I didn't live through it. I don't have the scar tissue from it. I saw it from afar. And that's why I, I know that the nation is going to be in a different place than I'm going to be. I'm a slow roller. I understand people have been suffering for a long time. Slow roll is not what they want. So that's okay. But that just that informs how we prioritize, how we make moves, what we think is best for the organization. And, and somewhere you find it in the middle, right? Because if we're always going to bring up the ghosts of our past, I mean, why are we even showing up anyway, right? Well, you can, you can do that past, for everything. If you're going to live in the don't past, you, don't, you miss out on the present. Correct, and correct. You, and you just totally undermine your future. But it, it, it is something to... to take consideration of it's not an automatic like if we brought chris jones in that he's going to 100 percent work just like how if they went and traded the farm for caleb williams and he goes in here and oh look this offense is actually pretty set up you have a line like it's you're much different situation than like what justin fields was thrust into it still might not work right away or ever like that's 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 part of it. it's just like our conversation about love mm-hmm. you might get steamrolled but you do it anyway you do it anyway and so uh that's why we're, 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 we're taking all this in, every angle that could possibly get this team to whatever space they need to be, which is better, better, closer to greatness, better enabled for greatness, right? Because you don't draft greatness. You draft people who could be great, and then it's their job to get themselves there. And so we know that Chris Jones is great already. We do. And we know that there are going to be quarterbacks that are picked in this draft that end up being nothing. As guarantee. There's, there's going to be some in the first round. There always is. Yours always is. And so that's why there's, there's different sh- um, assurities we have. And, again, I didn't pose this as an either-or, but uh, I, I really want the Raiders to just throw everything they have at Chris Jones. Even if it's like a, I know it's a free agent, so draft picks wouldn't matter, but that's right. Like, throw everything. Because it might be that big of an impact where you become that defense that beats Patrick Mahomes. And that's what the 816 says. He says, hey, if you get Chris Jones, you not only make yourself better, you make them weaker. I think that's an all-in move. There needs to be some all-in moves. And one guy who goes all-in is Raider Mike, the star of stage, screen, and Dino's here in Las Vegas. Good morning to you, sir. 
Good morning, Clay. Hello. Lindsay, what's up? Morning. Uh, halftime show, I that's almost, it, it didn't beat Prince, but nobody can put on a show like that other than Vegas. Mm-hmm. I mean, the lighting, the dancing, the choreography was mind-blowing. Roller skating? Pure, roller skating. 70s memories just popped up on those, you know, the roller st- skating rink days. But anyway, Lindsay, you can do both. I know. I want Paul Jones. Mm-hmm. That's a double-edged sword to cut the head off the Muppet King. You know, mm-hmm. we have to weaken them as much as they we can. And if they got a badass offensive lineman, you go get him too. Mm-hmm. That's what you do. You weaken them as much as you can. And if we don't get Jones, Tyree is going to be the next Chris Jones. He has the tools. He's going to have a full uh, off-season to acclimate, learn more from Max. And Coates is an animal, too. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. With Jones on that line, God. Uh, Mahomes, it'll look like when they played Tampa. Mm-hmm. They'll be running around, just didn't not knowing what to do, where to go, getting smashed the whole game. So I'm with that move, and we have to get a quarterback. We just do. And gosh, we've only had one quarterback we've ever drafted be successful. Yeah. Out of all of our draft picks, mm-hmm. Kenny Stabler, number two out of Alabama in 1968. That's it. Mernovich, horrible. Jamarcus Russell, go drink purple drink, dude. Just get out of Oakland, please. I just, you know... But Jaden doesn't have that Jamarcus vibe. I, I watched almost every one of his games. It's like he's he's a cross between the Muppet and Lamar. He, he that guy is once he fills out, he's is gonna be incredible. But if it's too much to go get him, let Penix, Nick, or JJ fall to you. That's that that's the logical path to me anyway. Mm. Anyway, and lastly, Max saying he wanted the Chiefs to win, I think is a genius thing to say because it's just motivation. That's what uh, the Condor is all about. Yes. Mm-hmm. Anyway, here you go. I'm out. Hey, Spike. Keep them coming on the text line, 702-365-9200. Lindsay and Clay, into the third hour we go. It's Raider Nation Radio. It's the morning tailgate on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Text line summation here on Raider Nation. Got some great stuff today. Again, please bring all that energy tomorrow and the rest of the week. 702-365-9200. This comes from Robin Oakland saying, The Super Bowl result was never going to change the challenges ahead and what we have to do to improve. We have a Mahomes problem. In addition to bolstering defensive talent, it's critical to build and maintain organizational memory to remember good and bad habits as part of our game plan. It's apparent that the whiners just aren't familiar with how Mahomes operates and the focus and intensity it takes to beat him. We have a ton of work to do across the roster, including getting more out of last year's draft class, but I can't wait to play Kansas City again. Great energy All right. on today's show. Love it. Love it. Thank you for listening. We'll see you tomorrow here on r 920. Have a great day, everybody. Rich Eisen's next.